Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Good afternoon, Canada. Today's date is December 1st, 2020, and welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. It's Tony out here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in beautiful BC. How's it going, man? Uh, good. It's uh, The weather's been nice and warm and bright sunshine and clear skies. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good to be alive. <laughs> well, that that's good to hear. I mean, we're warm here, not nearly as warm as the Okanagan, I'm guessing. But for December first to be above zero in Saskatchewan, it's a uh, it's a pretty good thing. So. Yeah, yeah, I know that's that's. Uh, I know I'm supposed to be going uh, elk hunting at some point, and uh, but we don't have any snow to drive them down uh, from the mountains yet, and it's it's like, geez. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It might not happen till January. Oh, geez. Well, I mean, I guess it's a good problem to have. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, Canada, we've got a rather stacked up show for you today. I will throw a disclaimer in that there's going to be some things you that we will say that you might not like. Uh, our, our email is cdncomsense at gmail.com so just an abbreviated version of canadian common sense at gmail.com uh, if you want to send some hate send some hate so but on the show today we are going to talk a little bit about our good friend jordan peterson a little bit about canadians and their reactions to the the latest impositions on our lives by government homelessness um being exacerbated by the pandemic and the big topic for the day is going to be the fiscal update. All right, my friend, where do you want to start? Well, let's start in order. Let's go with uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson and his uh, the latest controversy around him. I mean, he's uh, <laughs> coming out coming out with a second book uh, called Twelve More Rules for Life," uh, and uh, the employees. I don't know how many of them, but some some employees, and I mean, in this day and age, it could just be one employee, True. Uh, but some employees at, uh, at Penguin Publishing have decided that the fact that Penguin is going to publish this book is enough to cry about. And, um, and uh, uh, you know, act like it's the end of their lives that that jordan peterson is getting another book when let's be real that first book that he published i there was nothing hateful in that book it's all about how to improve your lives how to achieve goals and get your life in order i mean it, it's a self-help book that's actually a good way to describe it now yeah, those of you who have not read 12 Rules for Life, by the way, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you read that book. I have read it, I'm, and honestly, it is right up there near the top of my list for my favorite books, along with Think Big, which was Preston Manning's autobiography. Um, I'm a huge fan of Jordan Peterson, and not just because he also grew up in northern Alberta like me, because he grew up way far north. But it's uh, 12 Rules for Life is a very good book, and I can't wait to go get 12 more rules for life. And the fact that just the fact that Jordan Peterson wrote this book made people cry, literally cry, at Penguin Publishing makes me that much more driven to get a copy of this book. Yeah. No, me, me too. I mean, I... My life is pretty good. My life is in order. I I don't really need to read the book because I I, I really I'm I'm doing pretty good. But 
I'm going to buy this book. I'm going to buy copies, multiple copies of this book and give them out as Christmas presents. That's a good idea, actually. It's, uh, I think it's hilarious. Now, those of you who don't know the whole Jordan B. Peterson story, and how could you not? But Where the hell have you been? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he made a lot of people at University of Toronto cry because he refused to be forced to refer to people by their preferred gender pronoun. And he decided to speak out against compelled speech, as, as, as he labeled it. And yeah. I don't know if he was fired, but he was certainly disciplined. And then he took a leave to go on a speaking tour after publishing 12 Rules for Life and has done some absolutely fantastic lectures on it. I really recommend you download some of those off his podcast if you haven't, because he's given some great talks and he became one of the best-known lecture speakers in the world for the last couple of years. Yeah, his uh, he he shot to uh, to fame and notoriety uh, because of what was happening at uh, uh, University of Toronto, where um, not once did he ever say he would not use someone's preferred pronoun. He said he would not abide by speech laws that forced him to uh right that's right punishable uh like because and and for compelled speech laws which canada passed at at back then uh a few years ago now i think three years ago uh compelled speech laws are dangerous i mean it's the government telling you what you have to say not what you can't say what you have to say and that's what he was that's what he was railing against and uh when he really shot to fame was his uh interview on the BBC and it was because he absolutely destroyed the interviewer who kept trying to paraphrase what he was saying into something he wasn't saying and he kept calling her on it and uh, my favorite moment in that entire uh, uh, interview was when she said to him, what gives you the right to say something that makes other people feel uncomfortable? And he said, well, take this interview, for example, you're making me, it's been rather uncomfortable, but you're doing your job. Right. And she couldn't, she had no response to that. And that was the, the moment in that interview where I, where I think everybody in the world just went, Whoa, like this guy, this guy needs to be listened to. And, uh, and he's been great. And the fact that his books, which are self-help books that are all about how to improve your life and how to improve the lives of the people around you are regarded as hate speech by people who don't like him is laughable at best and horrifying at worst. But most of all, it is motivation for me to buy as many copies as I can afford. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And that's actually a good idea to give them out as Christmas presents. I hadn't thought of that, but that that would give me an excuse to buy multiple copies as well. And I think it's hilarious that we as a society have that we're not actually piling on making fun of these people who are crying because Jordan Peterson chose their business to publish another book. Someone I don't like is helping make me money. That should probably be a good thing. Um, Because, I mean, you're a businessman. You you know that money doesn't know skin color. Money doesn't know personality. Money is money. Yep. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so it, Money's that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. anyway, sorry to you folks at, at at Penguin Publishers, but keep crying because this book is going to do very well. Yeah, so. <laughs> and 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 I also just want to say to the people working at Penguin Publishing, grow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well said. Yeah. All right, uh, I wanted to move on one more small topic. We can bat down now. 
you had done a rant on the weekend, Lewis, and I imagine it was probably in discuss- in reference to the Adam Skelly situation. And we saw a huge demonstration in Toronto over the weekend. And I mean, it was anti-lockdown, anti-maskers were probably part of it, but I'm not really taking them as seriously. But you were you nailed it when you said Canadians are pushing back. And we're starting to see that not just in Toronto, but all over the country. Yeah. And, and you're hearing it more just in conversations with people where, you know, they're, where they're going, like, especially, especially after stats can released uh, the figures for COVID-19 deaths and how of the 11,000, it's like 98.4% of them were happened in long-term care facilities and only 1.6% of them happened outside of long-term care facilities. And that's for the entire country. And uh, which means that only about 175 people have died that were not in long-term care facilities. And those 175 people all had uh, severe health issues before they got COVID. Um, And the province of BC, like uh, not, I think there's only been three people under the age of 50 that have died but they all had severe health issues and uh, nobody under the age of 40 has died. Like not one. And it's uh, so people, when you're talking to people, they're, they're saying like, we should be focusing on protecting these long-term care facilities, but the rest of us should be allowed to go back to work. And, and, and the virus is being taken into these long-term care facilities, not by families who are coming to visit because they're not allowed to visit. Um, we haven't been allowed to visit anyone inside a long-term care facility since uh, the beginning of March or mid-March. Like the, it's being brought in by staff, and so more, more focus, more money, more precautions need to be taken in protecting um, the staff and protecting the residents of these long-term care facilities by uh you know rapid testing would really really be a good thing right about now you know that test that uh justin trudeau's liberals refuse to approve for use in canada um but it's being used everywhere else in the world um if they had these fast response tests available they could be testing employees of long-term care facilities before their shift every day. And oh yeah, because those response those fast response uh, results are, are 15 minutes. And they could they could be testing them before their shift every single day and uh, and you could probably it almost eliminate the infiltration of the virus into these long-term care facilities. And the rest of us could go back to living a normal life. Or relatively normal. I, I mean, I'm not saying let's ditch the masks and distancing and sanitizing. We got to continue that, obviously. But people also need to be educated on how to wear masks properly and what to do with them. Because, I mean, just today, walking through the parking lot of the mall, I saw all kinds of people's masks, like, hanging from from their mirrors, hanging from the uh, volume knob on the stereo in their car, from the gear shifter. I mean... You guys are just, if you did come into contact with COVID, you just infected your whole vehicle. Like, so, I mean, like, this is, this kind of, there has been no education from the governments on proper usage of PPE at all. And, I mean, that, that's part of the problem. So, but, I mean, the thing is, is that uh, people are starting to see that we could be living relatively normal lives if governments would just do things right and they're and the but they're not and they're hitting us with blanket restrictions and lockdowns and and everything regardless of the industry we're in regardless of where we live and and uh and it's putting small businesses out of business it's causing them to go bankrupt it's causing people to uh, declare personal bankruptcy and and it's it's uh, 
it's, it's only going to continue and get worse over the winter as we, as we, uh, as we get into the thick of the uh, second wave. No, you're absolutely right. And part of the problem is that I don't know if it's just that governments are listening to the wrong quote unquote experts, but restrictions they bring in, uh, and you pointed this out, I think on our last show are so contradictory in nature. Like when you were saying that in your rent, you could have five people in your house, you know, that are family or, but yet you, uh, you know, you can't invite a friend over even if it, that may still made five, but you can go sit beside that friend at a table in a pub. So how yeah, do they square I, that circle? Yeah, which I actually did on Friday. My wife and I went out for a drink with friends at a pub, which sat at the same table. But if those friends came over to our house after the pub, we would be facing a $2,500 fine. Yeah, see, and it's things like that that are, well, they're contradictory in nature. So, of course, you're going to get people agitated because when you as a government aren't making any sense at all and you're telling, you know, Joe and Mary's flower shop, they have to close down. But then you go to Costco and you can buy flowers there. Well, no wonder Joe and Mary are getting ticked off and their neighbors because, Honestly, Costco doesn't put as much money back into the community outside of hiring people as Joe and Mary's Flower Shop because they just sponsored Ralph's kids' baseball team, for example. And Costco yeah. doesn't do that, but yet Costco gets to stay open. And that will tie into the Adamton barbecue situation in Etobicoke because just 600 meters down the street from where that restaurant is, there's a Costco, which was open and serving food to, to customers, but yet Adams and Barbecue was shut down because how dare you try to stay open, Mr. Small Businessman. So no wonder people are getting ticked off. And I am, for one, I'm glad that Canadians are finally getting pissed off enough that they're organizing rallies and marches to say enough is enough. Because yeah, it is. The only, the only uh, adv- piece of advice I'm going to give these people that are out protesting is wear a freaking mask when you're protesting. You guys... When you're not doing that, you lose all credibility with the people that you're trying to uh, win support from. Here, here. Yep. And so if you're not wearing a mask, people just go, oh, those anti-maskers. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And like I've said to you numerous times and I've said to our listeners multiple times, I'm not an anti-masker. I am an anti-lockdown. I am anti-lockdown, but I am not an anti-masker because I masks masks help. You just got to wear them right. Yeah, oh, good good point. Yeah, and yeah, the same. I mean, I'm not anti-mask, but I'm certainly anti-government intrusion into our lives. And yeah. and it's it's funny because when I I hear things now, like the uh, I believe it's Quebec where the police can knock on your door and ask how many people are in your home and ask them for ID. And oh, they, can, they can, they can actually come into your home. You, they, it's not just ask for ID at the door. They can actually enter your home in Quebec without a warrant and uh, ask and make sure that everybody in there is from the same household. Yeah. See, that's ridiculous. That makes me happy that I downloaded the charter. Cause as soon as I heard that, it was funny. Cause my mind went straight to the charter. I was like, okay, wait a minute. That's a undue search and seizure. <laughs> it, it absolutely <laughs> is. And if, and if the police did that, I would be filing a lawsuit immediately. If mm-hmm. they, if they did that at my house, because that oh, yeah. is, that is uh invasion of privacy. It is uh un. I'm forgetting the exact words in the charter, but undo search and seizure, I believe. Yeah. I mean, this is this is scary times that we're living in. I mean, in Vancouver, the police are stopping cars and asking for ID from everyone in the vehicle to make sure you're from the same household. And in, in, uh, I believe it was Fredericton, the police are actually stopping people on the street and forcing them to put masks on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh it's crazy. I mean, you talk about police state and there it is. I and mean, the charter is getting breached left, right and center. I mean, even just you talking about that Vancouver example. Okay, there's our freedom of assembly, freedom of association. And freedom of movement. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. <laughs> we're we're just going to build a charter case right here on the show. <laughs> yeah. No, any, if I get stopped by the police and they ask me, they ask everyone in our vehicle for ID to make sure we all live from the same house. I mean, I'm following the rules because I don't want to face a fine. I don't want to face a $2,500 fine. But if right. I get stopped and they do that, I am going to file a lawsuit. Because yeah. this is wrong. It's wrong. No, it absolutely is. So, uh, And I get ridiculed by people for saying this. And because well, they say, like, they, they're like, this isn't about your rights. This is about everyone's safety and their health. No, it's about both. Like, yeah, we can do things to mitigate the spread of the virus without infringing on people's rights. And yeah, and the thing is, is that uh, we have um, a, a constitution in this country and a charter of rights and freedoms, and they are there for a reason. They are there to protect Canadians from government overreach. That's what they're for. And we can't just dismiss them because it's inconvenient. That's actually a good word. Inconvenient is right. And hey, too bad. I don't care about the government's inconvenience when it comes to my rights. And and finally, Canadians are starting to agree with you and I. Yeah, and I'm, I'm seeing. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing thrilled. It a lo- I'm hearing it a lot more. I'm seeing it a lot more online too. So it's I'm I'm happy that people are starting to push back. I'm happy that people are starting to get vocal. But please, for God's sake, people, when you're protesting this stuff, wear a mask and distance from each other. Yep. The virus, the virus doesn't like b- despite what the media and the left wing parties have told you throughout this thing, just because you're protesting something doesn't mean it won't spread. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it's le- if it's left wing protests, the virus seems to know that, so it avoids those crowds. It's just the the people who are interested in freedom. That's when the virus attacks. That's true. Very yeah. true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I heard uh, a spot on. I hate to admit oh, it. CBC uh, before, Radio. Be- before oh, we sure. continue, I just want to point people to. Uh, an article in the National Post that I want them to read. It's an op-ed by uh, Rex Murphy. Oh. Uh, and it's about um, the condescension that people are showing towards small business owners through all of this. And it's an excellent, excellent read. It's in, I believe it's in today's National Post. It might be yesterday's, but uh, it's the the op-ed by Rex Murphy. And it is, it's brilliantly written. So please go read it. Um. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll never say no to anything from Rex Murphy. So, yeah. All right. So, on CBC Radio of all places, I was listening today, and there was a gentleman on talking about about homelessness and talking about how it's gone through the through the pandemic. And I'll just say before I get into it, here's how you'll know that this this gentleman was on the CBC because he was very upset that housing should be a human right. And he was furious that Justin Trudeau would not recognize that. Oh, for God's sake. So there, that's how a you know it was on right. CBC. Okay. When things become human rights, they become free. And yep. that means all housing would be owned by the government. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, of course, the, the affordable housing came up, and I think I want to go there. But where I want to start is the homelessness issue. And I had seen, I came across a video from Edmonton about probably a month or a month and a half ago. Um, a gentleman was heading home, and he just happened to turn down a different street. And he saw about a two-block-long string of like a a little essentially a tent city set up by a park and this gentleman this morning was talking about in toronto how a lot of parks and industrial areas and whatnot have become homeless encampments and i think the words homeless encampment is something i never thought i would be hearing on such a broad scale in canada especially not in 2020 and so it really struck me that there's you know 
there's tent cities in Vancouver and Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, like all of our major cities are being, the problem has exploded. And it's not, and it's not even limited to our major cities. I mean, all you have to do is go Kelowna. Uh, if you, if you go to Penticton, I mean, it's a town of 35,000 people. They've got a homeless problem. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. And it's only going to get worse as people, as this, as this uh, virus and this recession continue. Uh, it's only going to get worse because as people declare bankruptcy, they're going to lose their homes. They're going to lose the ability to afford to rent a home because they're uh, going to lose because their people have lost their jobs. And honestly, I I really think that before Christmas even gets here, I think within the next week or two, we're going to be going into another shutdown, like another complete shutdown, like we did in the spring and March. Um, the and and because and if that happens, things are just going to get worse. They're gonna get worse, and we're gonna end up with a with a huge homeless issue that's even bigger than when, when, what we've got now, and that's going to result. And, and don't kid yourself; this this snowballs into other things, like it, it snowballs into crime, it snowballs into uh, drug abuse, and the and the opioid uh, uh, epidemic that we've got going on right now. It's going to snowball into all of these different uh, individual segments because they're all tied together. Yeah, and I mean, you see that already. I mean, with the the huge increase in in addictions and unfortunately addictions, deaths, suicides. I mean, they uh, you're right; they all tie together, and they've been doing nothing but going up since the spring. And I mean, you and I have been talking about this since March, trying to raise the battle cry that you know, this is something governments have got to watch out for, but they haven't. And they talk about affordable housing and. This gentleman on CBC, of course, was of the mindset that government should be the ones to build affordable housing. And we all know what happens when government tries to get into anything. So, uh, yeah, it's it's but, uh, it's funny because the same people that, that say that government is inept and they waste our money and yada, yada, yada. They're also the same ones that want to give the government more money and more power and more things to look after. And That's right. Yeah. Government's got to do something. Yeah. Get out yeah. of the way. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. anyway, it's uh, it's horrible to see the, the homeless situation. And I remember even in the 1990s, there were, there were, uh, how, how do they even rephrase it? But people who were homeless, but actually had a job and just couldn't afford a place to live. And, that problem is still here and it's getting worse. And like you say, there, as bankruptcies continue to rise, I mean, people are defaulting on mortgages at that. I mean, we're not setting record paces quite yet, but they're, they're on the increase uh, mortgage defaults. Yeah. So I just want to throw in here that uh, the one thing government is doing for affordable housing is driving it away. Now, I'd mentioned to you on the phone today that when a gov- when government's put in, and you actually probably know this a lot better than most people because you've actually built houses, and the fees that government attaches, the zoning fees, the taxes, the service hookups, etc., um, Canadian Taxpayers Federation came out with the number that across Canada, the average cost that government bureaucracy alone adds to a new home build as a Canadian average, is one hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, I can That's... tell you, and I can tell you because I built uh, two houses under two different building codes in BC. Uh, I built them a few years apart, but I uh, in in between the two builds, the building code changed, and just the change in the building code added $50,000 to the cost of the second house. Yeah, see, that's ridiculous. And if I look at a place like Saskatoon here where the average housing price is in that mid-300s range. So we're talking pretty much half of the cost of that, that new house is government. Yeah. And so, I mean, you really want to solve an affordable housing crisis and – and I mean, we do need more affordable housing. Then get the government the hell out of the way. Yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest thing is government needs to get out of the way. I mean, it, it's 
if you look around the world, most of the problems in most of the countries are caused by governments. They're caused by the governments. And yep, it's absolutely is just and it's always a program that is designed to help somebody. And it's like just just here alone, I mean, if you think about it, just a couple of the issues is like mandatory uh, minimum wage increases and 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 that all that does is results in less minimum wage jobs. I mean, you see it. I mean, w- w- why do you think Walmart has Walmart, Canadian Tire, Superstore, all these businesses? Why do you think they have automated tellers where you go and scan things yourself? It's not because it's it's easier for you. It's because of minimum wage increases. It's and so the people who would have been employed aren't employed anymore. Yeah, exactly right. And yep. and uh, things like over mandatory overtime. Like if if someone works, if you have a job and you're working forty hours a week for someone, and you say, "Look, I need some extra money. I can I can come in another five hours a week, or I can come in another ten hours a week, um, if you if you want me to." Like, and the employer says, "Oh, I'm sorry." You know, like I, I have to pay you time and a half, but I can't pass that cost on to the customer. So I can't afford to, to do that. And so that that person, that employee has to go get a second job for another 10 hours a week. But so they're allowed to work for two different people for 50 hours a week, but they're not allowed to work for one person for 50 hours a week without that single without that employer being forced to pay time and a half it, it's it's and, and that employer is forced to hire a second employee then for that extra 10 hours it, it's a ridiculous thing like you can't even sign a document with your employer that says i waive my right to time and a half you can't do that it's illegal so i mean it's yep. just laws like this that are meant with good intentions that always uh, mess things up. I mean, what, what is it? The road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. All right. So speaking of good intentions, let's get to the uh, the big elephant today. Let's talk about a fiscal update. The best things in life are free. And give them to the birds and bees. I want money. That's what I want. Now, uh, I've never heard a fiscal update like, uh, uh, described like that before. Yeah, well, I like the way you <laughs> described it better when we were talking on the phone this morning. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, okay. Oh, we were talking on the phone this morning because both of us happen to be listening to. Um, the uh, power and politics podcast at the same time. And we didn't know it. Yeah. Coincidence. Um, it was cool. Yeah. And, uh, and we were both listening to it and thinking, what the hell do we have for a finance minister? Because man, does she ever talk down to people and, and she's describing this fiscal update as if it's a wonderful thing that the government, the federal government has spent eight out of every $10 uh, of pandemic relief in the country. Like eight of every $10 spent was spent by the federal government. And she's bragging about this. And, and, and it's just mind blowing. The deficit this year, the deficit this year alone is $381 billion. And then they announced another $100 billion uh, uh, program over the next, I think it's over the next three years, right? Correct, yeah. So it's not, it's not like a, a huge uh, boost to the economy because I mean, most money that the government spends doesn't end up in the economy. Um, so, but it's, it's just, um, it, it, 
she kept referring to things as a as a she session, like this recession that we're in right now, as a she session. Say that three times, um, <laughs> because apparently, uh, women are the ones being affected by this. Well, and she's not wrong because I mean there obviously are women who have lost their jobs, but there are yeah. also men who have lost their jobs. So it's, yep. I mean, it this is recession a recession is affecting everybody. Yeah, and if it's affecting women more than it's affecting men, um, it's for the most part is because women uh, work these jobs. Uh, more women work these jobs that got cut than men do. So correct, yeah. This isn't this isn't like uh uh like the like the like the recession or the pandemic is is targeting women. I mean, this is it's it's like the the service industries got hit so hard, and the overwhelming majority of 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 employees in the service industry are women. I mean, but but men got hit by this too. Like, it's not like women were the only ones who got affected, and and I'm and I'm so tired of these woke uh liberal pandering this woke liberal pandering that that they do every time they talk like it's they they even called the the uh uh the stimulus package that they announced a feminist stimulus package and it's yeah oh come on yeah she and Christopher Freeland drives me crazy, and uh, I think it was funny because when I had called that, I just—I think I texted you and said Christopher Freeland has got to be the most condescending person I've ever heard, and then that's when you—that's when you'd call, and we discovered we were listening to the same show, and she really is. I mean, even the way she was talking with Vashi Capellos, and uh, how how she said, I was very careful with my words or whatnot. Oh. Yeah, because Vashi said she pushed back and she said, "Look, you you didn't answer my question." Yeah, and and uh, and Christy Freeland responded with, "I chose my words very carefully." Yep, and I was like, <laughs> "What the hell does that mean?" Like, like you're oh, it's just nobody's got any answers. In the stimulus up, uh, update, or sorry, stimulus update, this uh, fiscal update, they they were supposed they announced a bunch of things to do with like vaccines and new programs to help small businesses and and uh, you know like ten months too late um, for many businesses. It's been it's ten months too late for that help. Uh, I mean, some of the help that they that they decided to provide is actually good it's it's uh this is stuff that will actually help um but again most of the program or like the big program revolves around a a loan again which most small businesses can't afford another loan like they, they they just can't i mean um but the but their wage subsidy has been increased to 75% and it's been extended to uh, April 13th and um, get used to that uh, date because that's the end date for everything. Um, which means, which says to me that they uh, will have a, uh, a spring budget right around that date um, uh, or they're, uh, or they're planning uh, an election. So um, there's, there's uh the one that the one the thing that I can't get out of my head with this with this fiscal update is they they talked about the delivering like the the uh, the vaccine that's coming to Canada and uh but the but they don't give any dates they don't give any information um, the U S the U.S. is rolling out uh, vaccines this week. Um, the U.K., I believe, is next week. Um, there's 2.7 billion people on this planet that are ahead of Canada in line for vaccines. That's right. That 
that, my friends, is 40% of the population of the planet is ahead of Canada to receive vaccines. Yep. But, I mean, on the bright side, in this fiscal update, they have decided that they are going to create a task force of task force, sorry, of experts to prepare and implement an action plan for women in the economy. So it's got a goal of building an inclusive economy. And all I can think is, what the hell does that even mean? Yeah, and honestly, is are the lib- is the liberals' goal to to get female participation in the workforce to match or exceed the male uh, participation in the workforce? Because that would mean, f- you know, you would have to force women to leave their kids and go back to work. Well, there's that, and what the flip side of that that really, really ticks me off is that just the, this such a task force to me is really condescending to women. Like, for example, I've got a stepdaughter who's in post secondary right now, and she's going to get a job when she gets out because she's brilliant and she's dedicated and she's driven, and she doesn't need the government to step in to help her find a job she's going to do great in life yeah because of who she is not because of her gender just because she's a rather amazing gal yes i'm biased but i mean she's like today she's got so much going for her that she'll do great without the government's help just like 90 percent of women in this country yeah i mean the thing is is that um Women aren't the ones being left behind right now. No, it's, not by a long it, shot. It's young men. I mean, yeah. the, women make up over 60% of university enrollment in this country. I mean, let that sink in. That's, that's 50% higher than the male enrollment. Yeah, that's true. And... You start to look and there's a lot of what used to be considered male-dominated jobs, like in trades. A lot more women are getting involved in trades. Yeah. But then on the flip side of that coin, men who try to get involved into you know, occupations that are typically dominated by women are either ridiculed, so they stay away, or there's just a, a stigma that that's not manly work, so they stay away. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that I have spoken to people... Like I've spoken to men who have gone into uh, female-dominated industries, and you would not believe the stories that they have of bullying by the women oh. because because they're men in a female-dominated industry. They get shunned. They get uh, they get uh, bullied. They get you know, made fun of they're, they're the, they get, they feel ostracized from the women in the industry. And I've talked to, I've talked to more than a few who have the same stories. And so, I mean, to, to, to anybody who thinks that that, that, that bullying and, and all of that is, a, is a male trait, like, <laughs> Uh, you haven't been in the real world uh, or to high school. Yeah, but, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is, it's men, men are like young men right now are being left behind. Young women are doing better than young men for sure. By a long yeah. shot. Yep. Yeah, I'd agree with that. No, I see we're getting closer in our time. Here's so one thing, more thing I want to touch on with the fiscal update that, uh, it really stood out to me because as soon as I saw it, I thought of Maxime Bernier and that he's right. And the fiscal update includes $1.4 billion to the Dairy Farm Investment Program, a.k.a. Supply Management, over the next three years. And all I thought was, again, what's the best way to ruin any industry is get government involved. And this is the perfect example. And I know this was one of the Maxime Bernier's biggest planks because he's right in dairy country out in, uh, in Quebec there where he's at. And mm-hmm. so this just ticked me off. I mean, 
there's a lot better ways to spend 1.4 billion of yours and my dollars than by investing it in, into supply management. Well, there's a, I mean, <laughs> supply management is uh, is the exact reason why milk costs as much as it does in this country and why cheese costs as much as it does in this country. Yeah. The U.S. pays half of what we do for milk and cheese. Yeah, because they allow this funny thing called competition to exist in their marketplace. Yeah. And we need that here. Yeah. And and this is nothing short of, uh, this investment is nothing short of uh, corporate welfare. Exactly what it is. And corporate welfare is is a cancer on on government expenditures. We would not be paying nearly the tax rates that we pay if corporate welfare was eliminated. Yep, that's true. And I'm glad you said you segue that to tax rates because that's where I want to end the show, ladies and gentlemen. Prepare for your taxes to go up next year because also part of the fiscal update is a Netflix tax and a tax on any of the online sellers like Amazon and whatnot. They're not taxing the companies directly, but what they are doing is forcing the companies to charge you GST or HST on the services or products you buy from places like Amazon or your Netflix or Crave or what have you online. Yeah. And one more tax increase you'll get Canada is watch your CPP premiums starting January 1st because of the way that the COVID pandemic hit the economy. The middle class is actually going to see a 9.3% increase in your CPP deduction starting next year. Oof, that's big. That is very big. And of course, you as an employer, Lewis, you know that that also was going to cost at the employer end because you pay on both ends. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, people don't know this. The employer pays both CPP contributions, uh, like, because the employer matches the employees CPP contributions, but that's those, the employees CPP contributions come out of their pay. So it's, Really, the employer is paying both. And yeah, that's it, true. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh, it's it, it becomes a lot. I mean, I mean, not only that. I mean, like, I just got my, I just got my uh, WorkSafe BC um, premium uh, in the mail here the other day, which is uh, for. People from other uh, provinces, it's the same. Th- it's WCB. Okay. So my WCB rates, which in BC is called WorkSafe BC, uh, WorkSafe BC's rates, they went up this year. The percentage, because I, I don't know, most employees have no idea, but your but your employer's WCB premiums are based on a percentage of your wage. So uh, entire payroll is like uh so it's based on a percentage of your of the company's entire payroll so if the payroll is say uh let's just let's just use an easy number ten thousand dollars um and if the if the employer has to pay three percent then he has to pay three hundred dollars to wcb for his premium now my premium went up again and it's gone up every single year. The percentage has gone up every single year and I have yet to have a single WorkSafe BC claim with my company, not one. And yet the percentage has increased every year and that stuff has to get factored into my rates. And people come, you know, if you if you're going to complain about companies' rates increasing every year, you got to really consider who the hell you're voting for. Because if you're voting for some for uh, 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 political parties that promise everything for free, 
Well, where do you think that money's coming from? It's not coming from just your income tax. It's coming from it's coming from all these tiny little taxes that are all that all add up, and they're all on small businesses, and they're on um, they're on you personally. But they're they're a lot of stuff is on small businesses and corporations and all of this. Well, where where do you think? I mean, when these when these taxes get increased, we have to pass it on. We can't let they, it can't come out of our profits. I mean, we have to live off those profits. So well, ex- we, yeah, exactly. So we have to increase rates, and but then the same people who will vote for the NDP and who vote for the Green Party and who vote for the Liberals. They're the same people complain about how much they have to pay for stuff. Yep, and they complain that these uh, these corporations are profiting and Jag uh, <laughs> meets saying using the the word profits like it was a swear word today. And oh it just, God, yeah. And it just made me made me shake my head. It's like, well, without companies making profits, people don't get jobs. Yeah, and those companies that are all publicly traded. Our CPP is invested in. Yeah, good point. So if they're not making profits, our CPP goes broke and Canadians are retiring without a a government pension plan. Yeah. But the NDP doesn't get that. Jagmeet Singh doesn't get that. Because Jagmeet Singh, as you have said multiple times, is an idiot and an imbecile. Yep. Yep. And many other words that I can't use on this show. It, it's the, the people who people who support those parties really need to think long and hard about what they're doing when they vote that way. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And um, you know, I see we're a little over time here, so I'll wrap it up by repeating yet one more time: if anybody out there. Has any contact that Jagmeet Singh? Send him my way because that invitation to debate Mr. Singh is going to be open until he actually debates me. Again, the topic is going to be one and one topic only: Is Jagmeet Singh a complete imbecile? And I guarantee you, I will tear him to pieces in that debate. Well, I hope it happens. I hope so too. It All won't. Right. It won't. But I hope it does. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Canada, well, chew on some tax increases until next week, and hopefully we've at least given you something to think about in the meantime. So from now until then, it's Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night, Good night. Tony.